to another episode of the Jason and Bart Show. I am really good at this now. I don't you know are. what it is. Maybe because I edited like five shows at once and I've heard our voice over and over and over and over. I think it's this just is just more fun now. Exponential growth. Episode to episode. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, how yeah. are you, buddy? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Uh, our topic for today, uh, budgets of a project. Moy specifically... Um, uh, clients not understanding how much stuff costs. Is that the best way to describe that? I think it is. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably a good way to start off. I mean, it's not. I'll, I guess I'll start off by saying this: it's not really the client's fault, right? And I think I think right. you know, chances are the people that we're interfacing with when we're going through the sales process. You know, they're not necessarily the final arbiters or decision makers of budgets or, right. or price points or whatever. They're, it, it's sort of being dictated to them. A lot of times the decision, especially if you're dealing with enterprise clients, the decision has been made in some other room and is, is handed down to procurement or whoever. And they just say, you know, this is it. We're not going to go over this. And, and, and sometimes they give a reason and sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's purely bean counting and sometimes it's, uh, to what we were discussing a little earlier before we started the show, Bart is, you know, they look at it and go, oh, well, we saw someone do something similar for, you know, this price. And so therefore, we don't think we should pay more than that price. And, you know, that's a very apples to oranges. Argument. Yeah, I'm not right. You know, we're going to go backwards a little bit in the conversation, but I'm not mad at that, actually. What I'm what I'm what I get concerned about a lot of times where you know, you get few agencies to do a bid and every single bid is so off. And then you have a client just go by price without realizing the total cost of ownership. Right. You know, we've been around the business for a long time. When we pitch or we say, say the project is a million dollars, that that comes from just just experience. Right. It's experience of understanding what it will take a million dollars could be just the beginning, right? Um, right? When clients go just for the number, it doesn't doesn't take in count all the work that has to get done, right? Mm -hmm. They're just looking at the bottom line. They're not looking at the whole kick and caboodle, the whole thing. Um, and that, well, I think that's where clients will get in trouble because they'll spend a lot more time doing, you know, going through this and then come back to us or have another bid out and going, well, now we have to redo it because it's incorrect. Can you give us a break? That's actually what really pisses me off. Yeah. I mean, again, I think they're not technologists, right? I mean, they're not, they're not developers. That's not what they do. So they, they have no idea what the, what the effort is around delivering an enterprise grade digital solution right. oftentimes. And, and, and that's what makes the budget arbitrary. And I know, Used, used to put a lot of weight on project budgets when they would come mm -hmm. in the door because, you know, that's that's part of your the math you do to operate your business in terms of, well, if the average lead coming in the door is X and the average close is Y, then I need these many leads to get this conversion rate to close these yeah. many projects at this average amount. And that's going to allow us to hit our revenue. But the truth is, is that 
what what we've learned over many many years now is like initial project budget is probably the least important number of the entire process mm -hmm. because it's really about lifetime value more than anything else so from the agency perspective the weight that gets put on the initial project budget is usually way overweight from the client standpoint right and i yeah. feel like from the agency perspective it should be way underweighted you should not really take it overly seriously i think the best thing you can do is you and your team get together, you put together the most value intensive program you can to solve their problem. And don't worry about price. I mean, I know that's easy. I know that sounds like a t-shirt, but the truth is, is the client who says, if everybody knows it's a million dollar project on our side, and the client says, well, I'm not paying more than a half a million dollars because I saw somebody else do this for a half a million dollars. Nine times out of 10, 90 days into that project, it's a disaster. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Also, by yeah. the way, the people doing it for half the price very oftentimes take twice as long. Right. Right. And, and, and part I, of I, pitching it is educating. I think that's, you know, Bar, when we talk about this, like going through the sales process, you know, everybody talks about closing and winning. And of course, those things are super important. But for me, it's engagement and education. I think if you can engage and educate a client through your sales process, you have a much higher chance of getting the results of the right. win that you're looking for. Right. And a lot of times they're not educated. They don't understand. So part of it is not just saying, hey, we're going to build you this thing that you don't understand. Part of it is actually pitching how you deliver. Right. Not just what you deliver, but how you deliver. Yeah. And I think, you know, the big one of the biggest things, like I think for us is that, you know, this is why one of the biggest reasons why we have our way in, right? We do, we know what the structure is and we know we can deliver from that, right? We know the delivers, we know the cost, that's what it is, right? Going through the project, like, you know, I keep on going back to old school. Like, you know, I, I love when it used to be like, oh, just send me how much this is going to cost with that, like no conversation. Or I, I love when they're like, well, we had a, we had a, a agency had a conversation with us for half an hour and they gave us a number. I was like, that number is wrong. That is just wrong. There's no way that I mean, number is correct. Sure. I mean, everybody can go into a room and, and give you a number, but it's a race to the bottom if you're just, uh, you know, look, again, mm -hmm. obviously we're biased because we're on the agency side. But from the client perspective, in my opinion, I think it's just a race to the bottom. I mean, if right. you're just going based on price and price alone, is price an important component of choosing your vendor partner? Of yeah. course it is. Of course. No different for how agencies choose their vendor partners. Of course, price right. is a major component. But it can't be the only component. Otherwise, you really are just, it's just, you wind up with such diluted solutions as a result. And what winds up happening is you wind up coming back to Sumo. You wind up going back to a crowd favorite. Mm -hmm. 90, 180 days later, you've spent the money to get the thing up off the ground. And now you have to start all over again because, you know, agencies are going to walk in there and go, Hey, I know you've been working on this with somebody else for six months, but we're going back to day zero. We're not starting on day six months plus one day. And they all want a discount. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they were like, Oh, why were you spending the money? I'm like, you didn't spend it on us though. <laughs> exactly. So it, 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 again, I think, it, I think a lot of it just comes down to, to education for the clients. And, and it, it's a lot like, it's a lot like timelines. I feel like timelines, uh, Oftentimes, if they're not tied to a specific event, when a client says, oh, this needs to be done by X date, oftentimes the timelines are often arbitrary as well. They've just yeah. been some, kind of come up in a room and they don't know how long stuff takes or how intensive stuff is. Um, yeah, I mean, I think when a timeline is based on an event, a launch, like you have to do it, that's fine. Like that's an actual timeline, right? Mm -hmm. 
but arbitrary timelines like well we have to get it done by this but why like why right is, is there some event going on around that if there's nothing then that's not a timeline right it's like whatever that's like is. no the ceo have, just wants it by the end of wants the it right and that, that doesn't that's not a timeline right but if you have an investor pitch you have a I don't know, whatever that is, right? Whatever mm -hmm. the industry you work in happened to be, if there's an actual timeline, there's an actual timeline. But then it's like you go backwards, like, guess what? We can only get quarter of this done for the budget that you have, right? Yeah. You know, cheap, faster, good, just pick two of those. <laughs> I mean, it goes back to the, <laughs> we had a Russian friend do that all the time. So that was really fun with that accent. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it's true. You can choose two of the three, but you can't have all three. No, it's, it's impossible to have all three. You're not going to have a cheap, fast, or a good. Um, and then you have enough, nothing, so, right? So we're talking a little bit about misalignment of budgets in the in the sales in the sales phase. Um, yep. What about what about maintaining project budgets through the actual production phase? Um, so for us, it's a little different, obviously, um, we're retainer, your retainer services every month. Right. Um, the way we tackle a lot of that too, is, you know, over the years we've learned how to talk about it. We actually, every month we look at what's working worked on, you know, how fast we're working by the time we get into three month, three, four, five, you know, we know the speed. Now we have clients who pile other projects on top of that but that's a new slw that's not, you know what i mean like it, right. it becomes that like we we look at from a perspective of i would say half yeah I'd say most of our clients there's multiple projects going on at the same time um so at some point they're just retaining our services right so we get to move around as we need to yes mm -hmm. there's an additional fees to that and then we just up our retainers on things to cover what we need to cover um so our stuff doesn't run up, but I've seen chatter here and there, like how, how that can actually run up. Um, you know, because if you're doing, and I don't know, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of like if you're doing projects on a fixed bid and client doesn't, you know, respond to things or they respond to things late because they're doing 50,000 other things, you know, yep. like how, you know, that, that gets, that gets really tricky really quick. Yeah. Yeah, client um, delay stuff is, and that's why client that's delay stuff. To get in, into your and it's not contracts. always, yeah, and it's not always their fault. They're just no. swamp too. They're waiting. I mean? they're, well, they're also waiting for answers from people who 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 work with them too. Like right. like they have to herd their own cats a lot of the time, right? So getting back to misaligned budgets in the in the sales process, um, you know, are you willing to walk away, or do you mm -hmm. do math at some point and go? Well, we wanted it to be X budget because with X budget came Y profit. They want to do Z budget. And if we agree to Z budget, it's still profitable, but it's X minus Y or whatever. And that's going to give us a new profitability. It won't be as high, but it's something. Now, if you have capacity, I'm just talking about if you have capacity and you're an owner and an operator, you know, is something better than nothing? It depends. Ooh, that depends actually. Um, and that, that goes for multiple things, right? Do we want the project? Do we want the client? Do we know that client? You know, those kind of things come up. 
Um, sure. Does it make sense? Can we twist this client to be a good client eventually from our perspective after we do a discovery and that phase? Could we actually, you know, change it into a better? We had that multiple happen. We actually just presented a contract that we didn't know if we we're going to be at the client for a week when we first started with them. It's been three years. Um, right. Because we we changed the trajectory of and, and convinced them into like, hey, this is a better way of working. This is what it is. Like we got to that point, right? So can you take a, a client that doesn't look good on paper at the beginning to become an amazing client and align them to you? Sure. Can the opposite be also true? Absolutely. You take a good client in the beginning and then just disappear, like, you know, unalign themselves at some point for whatever reason. Um so yeah, do you take that client? I mean, it really depends. Um, in yeah, this market, sure. you might have to. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the other side of that, right? Um, when you when you and can I think be choosy, it, it, sure. It goes both ways, right? I mean, I think I think there are times where look, I think there are times where if a client is just so far away from 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 you know uh, where you, where you need them to be in order to in order to make a profit a proper profit off of a project, then it's then it's a much easier call, obviously, but it goes both ways. You can take, again, if you have capacity, right? You can, yep. you can choose to take um, a little bit as you negotiate through. Mm -hmm. You can figure out what sort of that emergency percentage is when you have capacity that you'd be willing to take that on. But it also goes the other way uh, as you're negotiating with clients. And, and I say that in this way, there are a lot of clients who will say, we have a million dollar budget. We can't go a penny over a million dollars. And if you present to them a $1.1 million budget, are you telling me that for temp they're going to spend a million dollars? So they're going to not do this project now for a hundred thousand because of a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, I just don't buy that. That's the case. So a lot of times, you know, if we believe it's more expensive and we're within a certain range or we can get it to be within a certain range, even if it's over their stated budget, yeah. We feel like we can negotiate with them and get them to understand that, you know, what are we, what are we really talking about here when it comes down <laughs> to it? Right. Right. Uh, Is it because you guys, gonna... if you guys can't from finance, you're not allowed to go over a hundred right now, or is it just, there's right. a mental like, is it logistics? Cause we can work around that. Right. Exactly. Right. But like, if you're, if you're talking about a, and let's just do round numbers, a, a one year long project and a million, and it's a million dollars and you're talking about a hundred thousand dollar, a $1.1 million bid, yep. you're going to the client going, we're talking about $8,000 a month here, guys. Yep. Are, are, and, you know, again, depending on who your client is, assuming that they're going to do a million dollar budget, they've yep. got money and they're probably a bigger company. And so, you know, you sit there and you, you break it down for them like that. It's like eight grand a month. You know, what are we, yeah. what are we even talking about at this point? It's, so it's, you, you can play with it kind of both ways. Mm -hmm. As a salesperson or, or, or when you're negotiating, not even a salesperson, just if you have a small farm, it's just learning those little tricks of like breaking it down to very simple pieces, right? Like, what is that, right? Like our example is always, you know, we start at $25,000 a month right now as a retainer, but that's because we grew up to this, right? When we were mm -hmm. first pitching it, it was 10, 15 at 15 for yearly retainer with us is $300,000 a year. Like at the 15, they're like, Oh my God, it's $15,000 a month. But I'm like, but it's only $300,000 a year. You barely get two developers for that where you get a whole team and all the management and all that stuff for the same right. price. It's, it's just, you know, comparing and, and putting them into a, not anchor. What do we call it? Um, sort of a good comparison, you know? Yeah. Well, you, you 
Right. And again, this is when I talk about education, you're, you're trying to put them into, you're trying to breed familiarity into, into what goes into the deliverable, whatever, whatever it is that they're asking you to do. Right. Yep. Um, because that's the easiest way to get expectation alignment around the project too, because, you know, that's the other thing. If, if you think it's a million dollar project and you wind up accepting to do it for a lot less than that, I guarantee your expectations between your team and the client are not going to be aligned the entire way through the actual production process. Right, right. Absolutely. That's, that's They're going to still expect the million dollar thing. Your team is going to expect to deliver 50% of that and they're going to wind up having to deliver more than, more than what they're expecting to do. So exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. That's, that's always fun. <laughs> I mean, look, like obviously money is the, is always this, well, I would say always, but is usually a, a sticky point uh, mm -hmm. as you, as you go through the process. Um, but I do think, and this is easy to say again, but I do think being willing to walk away, I think every negotiation, you know, the best negotiators are the ones who are always willing to get up from the table and walk away. Right. And I think, it, I think when you go into these things, again, depending on your situation, you know, don't put so much pressure on yourself to win it, put yeah. pressure on yourself to participate well in it and represent yourself well in it. And that's the best you can really do. Yeah. Um, it, it is like dating a little bit, you know, you, you, you have mm -hmm. to build a bit of, uh, trust and credibility before the other person will sort of start to go, uh, will start to listen to you more because everybody comes to their, everybody comes to these relationships with preconceived notions. Trust me, you're not the first vendor agency that they've worked with. So that means yeah. they've had X's and with X's comes scar tissue, right? <laughs> and with all that, with all that scar tissue that they're bringing into the room, you as the new person that they may be dating, you know, you've got to also be understanding, right. That they're walking yeah. into a room with scar tissue and maybe they're protecting themselves with their budgets. That's a way that's a defense mechanism for them. It's a way that yeah. they, can, they can maintain control because they've had a bad experience in the past. This all goes into the human experience of this thing where you get away from numbers and requirements and scope, and you really get into who the client is and who you are and do you align as people. Right. Mm -hmm. And what's their experience been in the past and how are you going to differentiate from that? And you, you spend a lot of time talking about that. I think when you get to the budget question, comfort makes people loosen up on budgets more than anything else. If you're credible sure. and they're comfortable with you, you know, going to 1.2 over a, instead of a million, like it's a no brainer if they're comfortable with you. But, you, you know, you got to put you got to it's easy to walk in there and be like, I just know more than you. And you just should know that this is a million dollars. And I can't believe you don't know it's a million dollars. And I'm going to, yeah. but, but you don't know their story either. Right. So you gotta, right. you gotta spend some time with that. Yeah. And no, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a, tr a tricky thing. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome, boy. man. Well, I hope, uh, I hope this was helpful for, uh, Somebody. for folks doing there. That's right. Well, look, we're all going to be in these rooms and, and, and especially in these, this particular time, you know, where clients are going to be um, more risk averse to how they spend their money. Um, yep. You know, budgets are going to be a big, a big topic of mm -hmm. conversation this year. Um, and again, uh, you know, just to reiterate, sorry, but, you know, get away from the coldness of the numbers and get into the warmth of the human beings and building the relationship because that yeah. that's the best way to sort of thaw that out um, and get and get to the numbers you want and the numbers you need. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Jason, that's, here's well, another man. show for us, buddy. That's it. Another one in the can.
<laughs> oh, hey, before we go, no, before we go, uh, we're doing it. We're doing this segment, and we missed it last time. Uh oh, we did. Uh, so we don't have a name yet because I don't want to rip it off, somebody because I did this on another podcast to be fully transparent. But um, at the end of the show, we're gonna do like um, what what we're watching, what we're reading, what we're binging, what we're into, like what's going on, like kind of pop culture kind of stuff. So I'm gonna put you on the spot first because I got to think about. <laughs> I think about mine. Uh, what uh, uh, any, anything you're reading, watching movies, anything? Not so. Anything with the kid? Any any blues no, clues? No. Right? I don't know what to watch. I, I mean, I'm into. I mean, it's all Disney all the time. Miss Rachel is constantly sure. on in this house. <laughs> um, she's amazing, and um, you know, it's all good. Uh, no, I've just been working a lot, so for me, it's you know, rewatching some stuff and. It's always like easy to rewatch stuff. But what I'm excited about, what's interesting is, have you seen the uh, the new show on Netflix called Kaleidoscope? Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I, I've I've uh, seen the trailer. Did you see what the pre- the weird premise is? Yeah, it's uh, very strange. The premise, the way no no the way they're doing is everybody that watches it has a different experience. Oh, so you can re- we can you can watch each episode in a different way in the in a different order. And Netflix chooses for you. So your order uh-huh. is going to be different than mine. So they're going to personalize it based on their algorithm. It's all personalized. Yeah. Um, That's smart. But That's really there's good. a way to do There's a You can find online how to actually watch it. Yeah. Um, and I think they all end on white, whatever that is. But it's different. It's basically everybody has a different order. Very cool. <laughs> and you can watch it out of order. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I was gifted... One of my secret Santa gifts, you can't see it. It's called Zero, Zero to One. one. It, it's a book by Peter Thiel. So I'll be reading that. Uh, I'm on a plane the next couple of days. So I'll knock, knock most of that out, I hope, on the plane. And um, that's very cool. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. That was given to me by one of our uh, one of our uh, developers for Secret Santa. Um, and um, I'm trying to knock off some movies. I haven't watched a lot of movies, uh, like a lot of like the Oscar stuff this year. So I watched... Um, watched a really interesting movie on Netflix called the pale blue eye with Christian Bale. Oh, um, okay. It's like a, it's like a murder thriller and it takes place at West point in like 1830. It's really Ooh. interesting. Okay. Um, it was, it wasn't as good as I was hoping it would be, but the end made it worthwhile. So I, I will just All leave right. it there. Um, so yeah, checking that out and check uh, that out, man. It was it was kind of interesting. Edgar Allan Poe is a character in it. It was it was good. It's interesting. It was good. So anyway, right. uh, wanted to get that segment in. We we have guests on. We'll be getting we'll them one. involved in this too because I definitely want to. I definitely want to know what people are reading and watching, what they're into for sure for the audience and for ourselves. So yeah. Um, so we have the episodes that are of no more show kind of scheduled. Um, what I think we're gonna oh, do. Oh yeah, you gotta tell the people when we're dropping. We're dropping on Tuesdays. I always said Tuesday at noon um eastern you know eastern on the east on the on the right coast on the east um, <laughs> um but also uh when we have guests they're going to be intertwined so if yeah. you feel like it's out of order <laughs> it's not we just happen to have a guest and that's i think that's the, going to be the idea we'll have two a week or something like that when it comes yeah. to episodes um because i feel like that's gonna be fun yeah and i'm and getting better would... at this at anything i can do it really quickly now <laughs> 
And, you know, we got a great lineup of folks uh, who are who are eager to come talk about uh, their agency, their agencies and how they how they've run them, and their experiences there. So that is that'll be great. Yeah. And we'll have to work on my uh, background because I look like I have a no arm. Right well, now. You're missing an <laughs> arm. There you go. <laughs> I have to put my green screen up. Well, anyway, thanks, everybody. Thank we'll you, see you so next week. much. Yep. See you next week. <laughs>